Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode... Oh, yeah. 101 of Creative Writing. I'm your host, the Turdmeister. Chris Wiggins is out of office this week, but don't worry. Yeah, how to get that in there. He is uh, not feeling well this week, but don't worry. We recorded something from IMS last week, so we got a little bit of show to bring you. We're going to call it our IMS review show. Of course, there was a lot of stuff happening at Tokyo Motor Show and a lot of stuff happening at ICMA, and none of that really translated over to... Uh, IMS. So we're going to talk about what we saw, what we know is for the North American market, and uh, give you our impressions of the stuff that went down. We're going to talk to a couple people from the show, and uh, we got a couple of cool interviews and discuss some of the new features that they had this year at IMS. For those of you that couldn't make it, the tour has just started and it's uh, traveling across the nation. Check it out if you can. Before we start this week's episode, I want to give a special shout out to Jake Haas for supplying us with this week's word. It's a word that means to um, to get pleasure from the uh, misfortune of others. It's a German word, I believe. And it uh, basically just means that. You're, you're deriving pleasure from the misfortune of others. And uh, that word is... Schadenfreude, baby. Schadenfreude. You know all those viral videos you love of the dude looping his bike? Next time they do that, just shout... Oh, schadenfreude. And you'll know exactly what they mean. All right. Well, thanks, thanks again, Jake, for uh, supplying us with th- this week's word. Let's get into our IMS interview and our IMS wrap-up show. All right, pop a cold one, chill out. It's Creative Writing. Hey, everybody. It's, uh, it's us. It's Chris and Junkie from, uh, from the IMS Motor Show. We're on our way home. If you... Do you want to know that? Do you want to know we're on our way home? We're on our way back from our uh, the IMS uh, Motor Show 2017. We're riding in my car, so the audio may be a little squiggly, uh, so to speak. And we, we want you diehard fans to know one thing. Like, we were going to ride motorcycles, but we thought we could record on the way home while it's all fresh. So we did it for you. Yeah. And if there's some jig- if there's jiggling noise, it's the it's the car. <laughs> and if there's a crunching noise and everything goes black, it's because we, we have bigger problems. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, Chris, what were your uh, first impressions of the uh, the motor show? I thought the show overall was pretty cool. Um, for me personally, I don't really consider myself that old, but I'm really excited about the Goldwing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, what was the first vendor on the list? I forget who we saw first. That's how important they were. That's how important they were. But we, we eventually did work our way around to Honda. And I have to say, a lot of cool things coming from Honda. Uh, we've known that for a while now because we talked about it. But, um, yeah, so basically, uh, the Goldwing Unicam system, lots of accessories, actually, for that thing. And... You know, a full makeover, not just not just a makeover from like before, a full redesigned bike, the engine's different, 
the uh, the body works a lot different the display is different everything is different and of course the front end and uh, the DCT drivetrain and all that stuff that every, everybody talked about so that was cool on Honda what else did you like from Honda do you did you like that CBR 1000 I did I mean it looks really good I just feel like Maybe my expectations for Honda are too high, but I feel like it's just fell a little short. Like when you look at the KTM Super Duke, granted it's a different price range, it's so sexy. Yeah. And again, like being an RC51 owner and a fan of the V4s, I just look at the wide motor and I'm kind of like, blah. Yeah, it did look a little wide and I realized that... But still a CBR1000 motor, like yeah. it's not, it's I... not that huge as far as like, you know wide in the bike like you know it's still a nice narrow for a four-cylinder it's a narrow race bike motor um i just i'm just bored with an inline four i guess yeah and i have to say that i do like the styling of it i like the fact that they didn't rehash an old uh you know an old style they didn't re they, they actually did go all new with this thing they jumped onto this retro craze like honda does you know five years later than everybody else and uh, they only waited a couple years this time. I mean, the XSR and all that stuff uh, just came out recently. The XSR 900 uh, was out, and then at the show they had the XSR 700. Um, but the Honda stuff, you know, they did they did the retro thing um, relatively quickly uh, for for Honda. I think they had the CB 1100 for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also feel like a lot of people felt like again, like that bike was lacking something. Where the Kawasaki, a lot of people are really excited. Even the older Eddie Lawson replica ones, like they had <laughs> We didn't crash, we're good. Oh shit. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Didn't you do that last week? No, Chris no, did it. I caught it this week. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I didn't even see the RS 900 there. I didn't see it either, but I just feel like it's getting a lot of good reviews. And I, I don't know, like I said, maybe my expectations of Honda are too high, but I feel like there's so much potential there, and yeah. then they just, they they miss it. Yeah. So, uh, I do have to say the new Africa Twin Sports concept really, is- Really good. Really good. It looks kind of like the sports um, I mean, it, it's not the sports concept. The sports concept was last year. This one looks kind of like it, but even beefier. Uh, the one last year looked just like an Africa Twin with silver, or I mean, with gold wheels, uh, a different paint scheme, and a little like bark busters and stuff like that. This thing is kitted out. It's got a what is the fuel tank? He said almost six something, six point three yeah, gallons or something like that. So it's a pretty big gas tank. That's for a 1000 that's big the uh r1200 gs adventure has a freaking you know eight gallon gas tank and so for a 1000 to have uh that big of a tank you're definitely adventuring it does look bigger they called it the big tank uh in japan like the big tank concept and it it does have a bigger tank but it also makes the front end look a bit beefier it's not as skinny as the africa twin it almost looks a little bit more like a vfr 1200x concept or uh like sports edition to me but of course it doesn't use that that platform whatsoever so it's uh it is pretty cool did you catch the msrp on that 
Uh, I think it was 43,294 um, rupees, but I don't know what that is in American dollars. Um, I did see, I took some pictures, the Long, uh, the Redondo Beach Police now have one of those in there. They're testing it. It's going through all the tests, but it passed their standards. They, they knew it would pass the standards, so now they're just uh, putting it through their, I forget what the guy said, their... Um, kind of like their standards test and putting it through their, their regulatory test for the police department and it's kitted out with like friggin gun holsters front and back like medical kits like it looks it looks pretty cool that bike looked pretty rad um it was it was helped together by a few local sponsors uh Roland Sands was one of them that helped put the bike together but there was other people like Olin's and a bunch of other um, motorcycle parts people that came together to actually help make the bike and spec it out for the cops. And the guy said it pulls away from the ST1300s like a piece of cake, even though it's a uh, 1000 on knobbies, you know what I mean? So it, it sounded pretty cool. Like the cops sounded pretty stoked on it. Yeah. And it looks lighter and more flickable, I guess, than the STs and the Beamers. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Yeah, and it, it does. It looks it looks way better than like a, you know, I don't know, like a, a F800 GS or something like that. It looks it looks yeah. so cool. Um, I didn't really see much else out of Honda, to be honest, that I could think of that that uh, comes to the top of my head. They really focused on the Goldwing. We found out that you can, in fact, take that top box off and convert your. Goldwing into a Goldwing Tour. However, it won't have the same stuff that the Goldwing Tour has, such as airbag, um, some of the ride controls, the traction control modes, the, um, you know, there, there, there's a few features that the Goldwing Tour has and specific. I don't get, they did explain to us why they called it the Goldwing without a bag and yeah. the Tour with a third bag, and that was a throwback to the original GL1000. Yeah. You it, remember they look they did just they like had no fat bags. bikes. Yeah. Well, they were meant to be like they were designed to be like a sporty or a racy bike. Yeah. They just they handled so well you could drag the heads. So that was interesting and I, I had to agree with why they did it, although I think a lot of people don't really remember that yeah. Goldwing as much as they remember the eighteen hundreds and the fifteen hundreds yeah. that have always been these big honking touring bikes. Yeah. I was so, gonna say, if you think of a gold, even even back to then, if you think of a Goldwing, it always had like a fairing or bags or something, and it's weird. Yeah, that, and you bought them new without it, but a yeah, lot of people put that stuff on yeah, it. Yeah, so to, to see him go back to like the first, or you know, it was only like that for the first few yeah, years. So. The only thing that I find weird that they did was having the Goldwing and the Goldwing Tour. The you could get a lot more options on the Tour, and then on the Goldwing. It had like a gunmetal gray frame and a lot of the engine components and stuff that were painted were like this dark gunmetal gray where the Goldwing Tourer was like a lighter, brighter silver. So you could see the age demographic that they were going for. You yeah. could see that right in the bike. Um, but the fact that you could buy the third bag for the regular Goldwing, but you couldn't get airbags and you couldn't get ride modes. Yeah. And I'm like, to me, the younger guy is going to want the ride modes. Yeah. This is vibrating too much to have up there. Oh. Can we oh, just stick it in, in this hole right here? Okay. That's what she said. The So anyway, yeah, the Goldwing Tour had options that you couldn't get on the Goldwing, but on the Goldwing, you could buy the third bag, and on the Tour, you could always pull it off. So I'm like, well, why can't I get airbags and ride modes on the gunmetal gray one, basically? Yeah. And I'm not talking body paint. I'm talking, like, frame and accents were gunmetal. 
where with the tour they were like a bright silver yeah so and then you had whatever color the bikes came in and they had like a root beer brown one they had like a well, i don't know i didn't really i yeah i saw them like a cool dark red so and i wasn't really partial to like man i wish that one was accented with the gunmetal or vice versa but i just felt like why was the regular one not allowing you to get those options including yeah. the airbag like the front fairings all the same yeah you know what they do have different wiring harnesses and they have different um modules and stuff so i mean that's probably most of the reason why yeah but if you wanted those options and you like the goldwing without the third bag the third bag does detach and it you can either it's really clean under it or you can get a little cover that's really pretty clean yeah um and you can put a rack on it if you'd rather have a rack like they did a good job on both of them making them versatile and clean when you pulled that third bag off or wanted to put it on yeah and for the first time in a long time they have uh accessories for the goldwing which they haven't had in quite a while yeah so that i mean factory accessories you know the aftermarket sure but they have yeah. actual factory ones so the first thing we saw was shift at IMS. Yeah, that's new. They used to have a kids racing. Uh, they used to have like helmet painting. They used to have a whole bunch of cool stuff for the people. Now it's a marketplace. They took away, uh, uh-oh, I was supposed to go 91. I guess we're going 710 home because I can't, I don't think I can get in there. You're fine. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, it, they never had that before. It was always like a more customer interactive, a place for customers to win prizes, get engaged with Progressive, find out how to get insurance through Progressive, win stuff from Progressive. And now it's like shifting more to a vendor marketplace. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it sounded like they were trying to try out that marketplace style for like retail stores. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, kind of something like Harley did. It was meant to be like a place where you would come and hang out. And then I guess because you were there hanging out, you would see something you wanted and spend your money. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. They had a bike up on a shelf. <laughs> yeah. They had, uh, they were teamed up with a jacket company and they were selling that stuff. Yeah. Um, Revit was, you know, Revit was there. Um, Unique was there. The, the London Frog or is it London Frog? London Frog. The London Frog. So Jenna, uh, Emma Genocide, her uh, her company was there. There was a couple vendors there that you know were our quote moto centric that made it into the marketplace. I think Next Helmets was in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And instead of just having the vendors throughout the, like in the past they've had, they have it centralized here in, in the shift marketplace so that uh, they can, you know, I guess have everybody together in one spot rather than dispersed through the motorcycle area and then have the vendor marketplace down on the end. So it was interesting. Uh, the School of Rock, Progressive has always showed their uh, philanthropic side uh, throughout the years at the show. And this year they didn't. Instead of uh, having like the Progressive School of Rock and showing all the money that goes to the inner city kids, uh, helping them learn music and arts, they decided they would go to um, Lucky Wheels Garage and have uh, garage people help you, which is actually more motorcycle related than kids playing music, which is pretty cool. And so they thought they'd f focus more on the DIY scene, which I think if, if you're trying to get in people engaged and the people that you're trying to get engaged are younger, 
DIYers, like this whole like generation coming out is basically like learn it on the internet, DIY it, you know? Well, I think it's a testament to progressive being in, in tune in with touch, what's happening right, right now. Right. Like, Lucky Wheels, we were talking about Moto Republic, if you guys are around the Pasadena area, like we are, it's in Eagle Rock, like those places are like you go in and depending what you want like you can store your bike there and it's like 200 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month and then you can use the lift you can use the tools and uh it's like 15 or 20 bucks an hour if you want maybe it's less than that if you want help it's more than that if you want someone to do it for you yeah um because a lot of people we're getting back to that where people want to work on their own especially motorcycles they want to be involved in it like that's what they're finding about motorcycling is like being in tune with your bike and like working on your own bike is super like that's just what people are doing right now so yeah. it's cool to see progressive like on that already because i feel like the co-op garage thing has kind of popped up quickly in the last year or two yeah um so that was super cool see what else we saw yeah what was next let's just go in order okay so in order we saw Vanderhall Motorworks oh yeah um cool I mean definitely something kind of cool it's more of a luxury brand three-wheel car bike like a slingshot but yeah. their stuff this year actually looked less uh retro and cool than it did last year last year the stuff looked hand built it looked art deco uh they had something that even last year they told us oh this is going to be so expensive that probably not a lot of you guys here are going to be able to afford it so yeah. my question is like well why show it at a motorcycle show then well, in this one one of them was thirty-five thousand. yeah was that the gas one uh i don't i don't even re remember i just and they did have, and we understand the names taken, but uh, Turdman and I were both disappointed. So they had an electric one, which is super cool. But then they named it the Edison. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to be bummed about that. I know Tesla's taken, but Edison was the bastard. Yeah, he was the one that, like, stole everyone's ideas and, like... He fucking electrocuted elephants to prove that... Uh, direct current was was safer than alternating current which we know isn't and since but he just didn't want tesla's alternating current to uh i mean we can go down this rabbit hole yeah that's a that's a, a totally time. different subject yeah but, but anyway just, the fact that vanderhall uh named their thing edison tells you what kind of company they are yeah and <laughs> yeah and if you're not into an electric three-wheeled vehicle um which it did have over 200 foot-pounds of torque yeah, you know what? That's the with with electric vehicles. That's the great thing, is it? Yeah. But um, so then we saw Indian motorcycles. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, no, I just have to, <laughs> I don't even know if I have to say that. I just say that because I'm a Harley rider, like officially. But um, the FTR wasn't there. The FTR, neither of them were there. Um, I don't know if you guys don't know this about the uh, FTR 1200. It's not a production motorcycle. So it wasn't there. They don't have a bunch of them. They have one. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was cool. They offer a 116 kit if you have a 111. It's cylinders, pistons, cams, fuel injection, and you got to get uh, exhaust and air cleaner for it. Um, a guy that I really like, Kerry Hart, was there and talked about it a little bit. Oh, yeah. They had a lot of Indian show bikes that were cool. Uh, Sasha Krause, if you guys are familiar with Krause Motors or whatever, he built super sporty, like mostly road race looking Harleys and uh, I'm sure he just 
you know, Indian was like, hey, here's a bike and we'll give you some money to build it. Yeah. And Sasha built super bitchin' motorcycles. Yeah. So there, there was a lot of custom Indians this year. Also in the, not just in Indians booth. because they give them out to everyone. Right, right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're subsidizing their marketing. And I, I have to say too about Carrie's, uh, if you guys haven't seen Carrie Hart's bike, you can get on his Instagram, Heartluck. And, um, he did like a World War II B-52 bomber side It is so rad. And it's even got like the nose uh, oh, yeah, bubble. Oh my God, dude. It's, it's got so a plexiglass rad. or whatever nose bubble so you can see out by your feet. It's like, it's all riveted aluminum. It's really good. No carry did not hand form it all himself. He would probably be the first it, one to admit that to you. It does look like it was hand formed though. I was looking at the, it was. the wing and you could see oh, the yeah. English I, wheel marks. In I, it. Yeah, and I saw the, uh, which is super cool because the old airplanes and old race cars, you saw hammer marks yep, and wheel marks. Exactly. Um, That's how you know an original AC Cobra, folks. There's, yeah. it, they're not perfect like it was stamped. Yeah, in a hurry because <laughs> it was a race car. Yeah. Um, I know Kerry a little bit and he's one of the first guys to tell you that he's not like a quote unquote like motorcycle builder. Yeah. Which I really respect him because there's a lot of motorcycle builders out there who don't, even if their name's on the tank really big, they don't physically build anything themselves. They might point the direction on what shape they want it or whatever, but there's very, very few that actually build yeah. or fabricate themselves at all. And yeah. the more you think of what a builder is, the less and less people that do it. Like, yeah. I know like two guys that do like 90% of their own stuff. So, and even then they're still buying their own brakes and wheels. Like they're not machining all that stuff themselves. So, yeah. um, but so Carrie's bike was super cool because if you think about that in your head for a minute, if you've been around the chopper custom motorcycle scene much, like a B52 bomber sidecar could go really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the <laughs> fact that he matched the bike, like the paint and everything to match it, it yeah. so it looked distressed. It looked like a plane that had been flying through debris and bullet and flak, you know, yeah. flak shot and stuff. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And it was funny because as soon as I said I liked it, he, he even said thanks. And he was like, yeah, man. He goes, when I thought of it, I knew that it could be bad. Like, it's just one of those, like, you guys see a lot of custom bikes and you see... Um, I'm gonna use Orange County Choppers as a reference. Like they would come <laughs> up with this idea, right? And then it would be super gaudy. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I felt like Carrie really um, put it together. Is that nicely. a Grand Torino? That might be an old Torino. It's rad, whatever it is. Or is that an old Le Mans? It Sorry, might dudes. Be that too. That's the beauties of driving. Yeah. You guys missed it. Well, we didn't really talk about it, but last week, like uh, this guy and I. <laughs> Turman and I went to ride some special motorcycles we'll talk about soon. And yeah. uh, maybe we'll talk about it after our IMS experience here. Yeah, we saw a clean CB400. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that was rad. Um, not that that has anything to do with the podcast, but I think it does. Like when you guys are out on the road and you see cool bikes, what's your reaction? Yeah. And me having a shitty non restored one in my garage that I need to restore, seeing a clean CB400. It was, a, it was a highlight. Dude, if I saw a stock SR250, I'd shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, dude, I that feel like CB400s are super cool. Stupidest though. looking bike I've ever seen. You got to turn it into this hideous beast, right? Yeah, baby. If you see somebody on an SR250, that's Schadenfreude. For sure. All right. Thanks again to Jake for supplying us with this week's word. I doubt we're going to use it again in the show, but thanks, buddy. Um, now we're going to take a break and we're going to talk to somebody that we met up with and had the pleasure of interviewing at IMS. 
All right, everybody. We are here. We are at uh, IMS 2017. I am in the IMS The Shift vendor area, which is new at IMS this year. They didn't have this last year. Um, I ran across some jeans. I ran into Van Manley, who is an importer for Unique. She imports these really cool jeans. And uh, she told me if I could tear them, I could have a pair. And guess what? I couldn't tear them. I could barely tear out of a wet paper bag, though. So I'm going to... Um, talk to Van a little bit about these because they look pretty amazing. Van, can you tell us exactly, you know, every single thing about these jeans, the specs, what they're made of, the colors, all that great stuff. These are these are awesome jeans. I'll probably take some pics so you guys can see, but they are pretty amazing uh, looking. How do they wear? These jeans, the brand name of them is called Bolletster and they're made in France and they're made of a very special material called Armolith which is a single layer abrasive resistant material. They're lighter than like your Levi 501 jeans. And this armolith has a polyethylene that's woven into the denim. So this is not two layers like Kevlar line jeans, because those, especially here in SoCal, are just hot and sticky and scratchy. These are single layer denim that are actually half as, half as heavy as your 501s but they'll slide like 10 times longer. So your 501s, if you went down on your motorbike, you'd be sliding 0.4 of a second before they broke up and your skin was all over the pavement, bleeding everywhere. These Bolletster jeans, you can slide for four seconds in them. That's huge. That's like over 50 feet at the, whatever the CE, I forgot the speed they tested at, but these are all CE rated um, and tested jeans right yeah, 0.4 seconds that is barely long enough for that's enough time for one cheek to hit and the other one to still be in the air so these things you could you could slide and take a ride in them and they do they feel like you've got a pair on they look great you're you were yeah you're stretching and she's going all the way down ass to grass in these things and there's no binding they look i thought you had levi's on when i walked up i didn't know you had what you have on the shelf here actually on they come in a couple different colorways that look great and you showed me the inside. Can you tell me about the uh, the snapping system and how all the armor works? There's two major models of these Bolletster jeans. Um, there's the Jeanster model, which does not have hip and knee protection, so it's abrasive resistant. And there's also a girl's model called Jennyster that's in the same style without the additional padding. The model with the padding is called the Ridester, and they come with CE Level 2 rated hip armor and knee armor as well. And also the material is slightly thicker on these. So these, if, if the, if the uh, Jeanster can slide 50 feet, the Ridester can do about 65 feet. So it's slightly thicker. You see we have the selvage edge on the, on the bottom here. A lot of guys love to cuff these jeans. They look really good with, with this edge showing. Um, the, the armor comes in these hip, hip and knee pockets that are snapped in and so you know, if you're feeling uh, like not having the padding in that day, you actually can, can unsnap the pockets, especially when you're washing them, you can unsnap them as well. And so it is, they are removable if you, if you want that. But the uh, C level two armor is that, that really special stuff that hardens as soon as you hit it. And it's really thin and flexible. So you barely feel like you have it on. It's very, it's very comfortable. Additionally, you know, this, this armolith material has lycra, has about 10% lycra woven into the denim, and it makes it super stretchy and flexible, which is what you want on a motorcycle. You know, I just took up racing 
at you know at the track at Chuckwalla, you know, and and you're you're moving around the bike all the time trying yeah. to trying to bend over and get your knee down and get your head down and all that, and you know even for just normal riding, um, if you're carving the canyons or whatever, you want to be able to to move around. And additionally, when you get to your restaurant or meet up with your buddies, you don't necessarily want to look like you're in a bunch of motor gear all the time, you know. So these things are, are really fashionable, and as you can tell by what I'm wearing, they look like normal jeans. Yeah, they look and they look comfy. Like you said, they feel soft and they look soft. You know, they look like they're, they're yeah, they feel soft. Um, she let me cop a feel on her leg there. Uh, they actually, you know what I'm they my you know chris was here with me a minute ago and he mentioned that the the armor in the knee it snaps in so if you're got supplemental armor already you can snap it out your leg's not going to get caught putting your pants on like my pants do when i put them on also you mentioned uh, a good point that that is since it's snappable and removable it's also adjustable up and down to fit your knee and since these have lycra in them they're stretchy enough to be uh, comfortable anyways and like you said these are light these are lighter than the jeans i have on right now and the jeans I have on right now, I guarantee if I fell down on this slick floor, they'd probably get a hole in them. So, I mean, this is incredible stuff. And Armalith, I've never heard of it before, but she has a piece here that's cut a couple times. And even at the cuts, I could not tear it. And it's just an incredible stuff. How did you, how did you find out about this stuff? Well, I've got a buddy uh, from the pro audio recording business. And uh, we've been business partners in the audio world for a real long time. And we've, we've also ridden motorbikes together for, you know, 20 years. And uh, he retired out of the audio business, and we decided to, to open up a new business together um, with, with JB in France sourcing interesting and unique brands and uh, things to import into California and to the USA. So we're, we're the sole USA importer for these Bolletster jeans. This is the first product that we're bringing into the country. Yeah, this is, it's an awesome first product. I really like it. And they're pretty cost effective. I, uh, what is the price on these if someone were to come, uh, you know, buy it off your, you have a website or a yes, retail? We so if somebody were to, you know, get these, not the deal at the show that you're getting if you're not down here right now, but, uh, you know, if they go online, what are these going to run? Are they $1,000? I mean, they're made in France. So I, I'm thinking like $800. No, 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 no. And besides, I mean, what's your skin worth to you? You know, the Jeanster and Jennyster models retail for $349 US, and the Ridester model with the additional hip and knee armor retails for $449. And yes, you can purchase these. We have a few dealers here in, in um, we've got uh, BMW Burbank here in, in the Los Angeles area, and then GP Motorcycles down in San Diego. Oh, yeah. Those are two of our dealers. Additionally, you can go to our website, which is www. E U N I Q U E. Unique. It's unique with an extra E in the front, like E U. Dot U S. Not dot com. Dot U S. So unique. Dot U S. All right. We'll put that link in the show notes to make it easy for you guys. I know half the people that listen to the show can't read, so they'll just have to click the thing. But I'll put a link. You guys can check these out. They are awesome looking. And. I mean, this is coming out after the show, but if you were here, you know you're 20% off. Maybe uh, you'll catch him at another show sometime or, or catch her in a good mood. Catch Van in a good mood. <laughs> but Van, thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, how long have you been riding, by the way? You, you're, you're taking up racing now, you know. When did, why did why did you start doing that after being a safe rider for so long? Well, uh, my grandfather taught me how to ride when I was 11 up in New Hampshire on his little Kawasaki KE100 back oh, in... Man. Well, when I was 11, what year would it have been? 1980 uh, uh, or something? Yeah, uh, 2000, 2001. <laughs> a long time ago. 
So I've been riding. I'm 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 going to be 50 next year. So I've been riding an awful long time for most of my more more of my life than not. So rad. And and the fact that you took up racing is to me this year is awesome. So thank you for introducing me to these. Hey, keep on riding. I hope you I hope you win. I know I know track days aren't races, but hey, I hope you win your uh, your next track day. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you all. Right. Y'all. All right, take it easy. All right, that was Van Manley from uh, Unique with her Ballister jeans. I will put that in the show notes, like we said there, but it is uh, Unique with an E-U in the beginning, E-U-N-I-Q-U-E dot U-S. And uh, yeah, check the show notes for that. Awesome, awesome feeling jean. And I got to say, uh, they they did look like Levi's or, you know, Lucky Brand or whatever your normal jeans are. They didn't look like thick riding denim and they didn't they didn't feel I have a pair of, of uh you know like riding pants that are that are Kevlar lined and they didn't feel like that whatever that uh I forget the number denim, you know, or the uh, the rating of denim, but they didn't even feel like that. They just they felt soft and movable. And uh the person that was helping her out there at the booth also had them on and again didn't I didn't even know. I thought she just had some super tight jeans on and she said, Nope, these are ballisters too. So yeah, gotta check them out. All right, let's uh, get back to the show after this quick word from a sponsor. Hey, guys, my name's Rick James. I'm having an art show, Oceanside, California. Uh, My Instagram is S-A-E underscore C-A. I have a lot of other artists coming out, a lot of great food, a lot of great beer, local craft beer, of course. Saturday, February 24th at Legacy Brewing here in Oceanside, California, 363 Airport Road. Again, that's Saturday, February 24th. Don't miss it. Come on out and check out Rick James. So next was the Polaris <laughs> Slingshot. Moving, I'm like the Liza, dude. I'm moving us yeah, on. Do it. So the Polaris Slingshot. Like fancy pants. Yeah, dude, listen. Polaris Slingshot. It's not a motorcycle. Fuck you, Chuck, from Wheel Nerds. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, does he have a Slingshot? Or a... No, but they test rode it, and we're talking about how great it was. Okay. Well, listen. And they told us we can test ride it, so we're gonna set this up, test drive it, I should say. Yeah, we're gonna test. We're gonna set it up. I'm gonna Unfortunately, they're not gonna give us two of them. I don't think. Maybe they will. Maybe when we go to test ride, we'll be like, oh, they said we were each gonna get one. Yeah. Well, but, I know I want to take my wife for a ride in one. So. Well, I don't. Yeah. My. Uh, yeah, my I know. I don't want you to take my wife for a ride in one. Either. <laughs> Um, well, if they only give us one, I thought we might have to, it would just be a yeah, road date. they probably would. They'd probably look at us and, like, almost not give us any. Just be like, well, are, you, are we if sure? If they knew what we did, they definitely wouldn't give us any. Uh, Indians said that their numbers have reached the double digits, which I know last year they were only 7, I want to say 7% of the market share. I, I think, too, she was a little confused because I said, like, my grandparents want one or should get one. Um, my grandparents were kind of weird in that they drive a stick and they wanted like kind of something sporty and I don't think that's the demographic they want to buy those. No, and that's not the demographic that's buying them. I, and you're right, but I feel like there is that, I feel what I like about it. So first of all, I like the slingshot more now after seeing it and sitting in it than I did before. Yeah. I think they're, it's, what's good is like if you're a motorcycle rider and you've been in an accident and you lost a leg, um and you don't want to ride a regular motorcycle anymore or whatever, it's a great avenue. If you were, what I actually think it's a good avenue for 
if you want a little sports car, if you're not really a motorcyclist and you want a little sports car, go look at the slingshot. Yeah. Like, they, they were started under, at 20 they were, grand? 21? They were right under 20. And then the nice one was like 32? Yeah. And, and they use, one thing I really like, they use a 2.4 liter Chevy, which I believe is the Ecotech. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how it would all fit, but there's a lot of mods for that motor because they use that motor in a lot of sand cars, a lot of dune, like the, toys they, and stuff like that. They have a new, uh, I think they call it the Slingshade, which is like an yeah. a, a, an A-pillar and a T-top like roof that goes yeah. over you now. So you can be, if you like Trans Ams, maybe you get into that, but you well, can drive. If, right if you're in. out in the desert, it keeps the direct oh, sun dude, off of yeah. you. Like, well, and it keeps the rain off you probably some somewhat. Yeah, it looked like the windshield didn't go all the way to the top. Yo, it didn't. In California, you have to have a helmet. Yeah. But um, it's considered, what they call it? A auto cycle. Auto cycle. And so, in 40 states, it's considered an, an auto cycle. Which means you don't need a motorcycle license for it. Yeah. What about the, um, the Can-Am Spider? Uh, the Can-Am Spider is considered a three-wheeled motorcycle like a Harley trike is. Okay, so you need a motorcycle license. You, you don't, in California, if it's got three wheels, you don't need a, a motorcycle license. Oh, interesting. But if you have a Can-Am Spider, you can get your license on it. Yeah. I don't know about California, but in some states. Yeah. She said that in some states, in, in one or two states only, do you need a motorcycle license or endorsement to, to drive, drive the, the slingshot, which is really weird because it's got seatbelts and a steering wheel, and it's basically like driving a car. I don't know and why. And here was, here's my main disappointment in it. It's only got three wheels. Yeah. However, I think this is why. Like, I would love to see, like, you could not change anything, and you could come from where the swing arm is and go back, and then you could do a little independent rear suspension and kind of bolt it all in. But I think if you had a fourth wheel, there's a lot more safety things that you would need to put on that, and it would no longer be 20 grand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of like... Well, the amount of... They probably don't have to go through all the... the you probably uh, don't need airbags. IHHS that doesn't have airbags. Yeah. You don't have... You don't have side intrusion. Yeah, you don't uh, have beams. doors. You don't, they don't have windshields. Yeah. A couple of them so had real small ones, so they don't need much. Yeah, they, I bet you they classify them as wind deflectors, because for windshields, it's like... You need a you need a glass rating and you need you know testing. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons why it's not a four wheel vehicle and why they can get away with what they get away having it be an auto cycle. Yeah. You know what I want to see finally someone do take that single sided swing arm and that big old you know Corvette tire that's on the back of that thing, take the motor out of the front and make a Boss Haas using that rear swing arm and uh, make a Boss Haas sport bike out of a GM EcoTech with that single-sided swing arm that comes on it. Oh, I thought you were just gonna say drop a crate LS, LS1 in it. No, no, I wanna see somebody like basically tear the seats and everything off and put a motorcycle back under there. Cause people do that with car <laughs> engines all the time. They take them out of cars <laughs> and put them into motorcycles. Why don't you take this engine out of this thing and put it back into a motorcycle? Who knows? Um, so we may test drive one. But the, and they were, I have to say, I like them a little better now that I've seen it. I definitely wanna drive one. They look super fun. It says track ready. It would be interesting to know how it handled. And rear tires are going to be expensive. Like, yeah. It was, yeah, it was like a Corvette tire in the rear of that It thing. was. It, it's so big. It was very, which is cool because the wider that tire is, you 
know, it's almost wide enough to where it is a four-wheel car. Yeah. So it was kind of neat to see, like, that stuff. It was definitely kind of cool. Was it, it was a bell drive back there, too, wasn't it? Or was it a shaft? I thought it was a shaft. Maybe it was. What I, if it was a belt? That'd be crazy. Maybe I'm thinking of the Can-Am Spiders. Yeah. Wiggins was actually right. It is a carbon-reinforced belt back there. I lost my light. I lost my mind. KTM North America. Oh, yeah. KTM was, uh, they had their Pikes Peak Rider. They had the 1290 Super Duke. Chris Fillmore for Amber Mole. He was there talking about how he's yeah. a, a brand ambassador. Uh, he set the fastest record now uh, on Pikes Peak on a KTM Super Adventure R. Is that what he did it on? Did he, did, he didn't do it on the Duke R. He did it on the Super Adventure R, correct? No, the Super Duke, I think. Oh, okay. Because it's paved all the way to the top. Right. Um, and one thing he did say to give KTM and those guys a little plug was that uh, that that bike was built in the marketing department of KTM. I'm guessing KTM USA. And it was built totally out of parts out of the catalog. Yeah. Out of the KTM. Power parts plus. Yeah. So that's kind of cool that it wasn't like a fully like factory race bike that you can't do. For a company that can do that, that has the capability and does it in off-road and does did it before to do that, yeah, without yeah. without doing that and just doing it out of what you have available was pretty awesome. And it seemed like there was a lot of either love or hate for the headlight. Yeah. I personally like it. I think it's a cool idea. Um, and I think it's something people are going to grow to recognize. So that I kind of like about it. Even if you don't like it, you're going to recognize it. Yeah. Uh, well, last year when they, un when they unveiled it, Ari Henning from Cycle World or from Motorcyclist loved it. Uh, and everybody was going, ooh. And then this year, like, people kind of, I guess they forgot that that's what a KTM looks like. Because <laughs> they weren't really all about it. And, and last I mean, year. It's just, it sucked back into the forks. It doesn't protrude way out like a sore thumb. Yeah. It... It's got that, it, it, you almost look through it when it's you're... It's very modern. Yeah. You feel like you can see right through it. It's very modern. Um, They're probably super bright. The way the back reflector is molded, it looks like you're looking through a window onto like the oil cooler or something like that. And then yeah. you realize that that's the reflector for the for the high beams. Or yeah. Because the low beams are like these two little crazy LED strips. But overall, a... And they were really hyped on their ADV bikes because ADV is huge. We can talk about that in a second. But I felt like the Super Duke R was like, it was definitely a pricey naked bike, but it was sexy. It makes tons of power. It's got really nice everything. Like, it's it's definitely a super killer. If you want a naked Street Fighter, like that thing is hot. Yeah. And if you have eighteen grand or whatever. Yeah. So they have a three ninety, a six ninety, a do they have a 990? I think they had a 990 and a 1290. Uh, and they're working on that that seven whatever, but it's not out here yet. Yeah. Um, so. And their off-road adventure bikes, they're talking about, they had guys enter like legit off-road and um, enduro cross events on, on their 1090 twins where everyone else is out there on 450s. Yeah, one of them was the Romaniacs, the Red Bull Romaniacs. Yeah. Uh, they did that on, on a, I think he said they were on a 1090. 
Um, and one of the other guys did like a GNCC or something like that on the 1090. Yeah. So pretty incredible stuff for a big adventure bike to be doing. But KTM has all even before they had road bikes, they were off-road bikes. So that's... I feel like one thing that I felt like overall in the show is that adventure bikes are huge right now. Yeah. I like them better. I think they're better looking than BMW. And, uh, I think they look better than the Ducatis too. Yeah, the Ducatis, yeah, they. a lot of people don't like the Ducati adventure bikes. But they're, well, it's that platypus front end that people <laughs> yeah. like. Um, but I feel like, yeah, and KTM is very edgy in their design so I feel like it's definitely a love hate there's not a lot of middle ground there's not a people who are like yeah they're okay they're like oh that's awesome or oh it's horrible yeah so um let's see we got a lot to talk about so BMW they had the HP4 yeah is that what it was HP4. basically all carbon this is the one that I, I talked about a while back they did it in the 70s briefly because the bikes were uh not qualified then to have carbon frames but they still they still tried it in the 70s and they tr- they're doing it now. BMW is doing their pressed carbon where they press it into tubes and basically make it like a carbon frame the way you would make an aluminum frame or like a box section of frame stamped. They're stamping like carbon into those shapes. So they're pre-making all this stuff. And then, dude, when you looked at that thing, it was all carbon. Everything except like the swing arm oh, motor yeah. and the forks. Yeah. Like the wheels were carbon, the frame was carbon. The frame was carbon. The bodywork was all carbon. Um, I feel like I didn't see a price tag on it. It's gotta be. I think it's thirty-eight thousand. That's actually not bad because yeah. you're basically getting a carbon frame, carbon wheel, hopped-up motor S one thousand R. Yeah, it's got the S one thousand R double R with all the bells and whistles, like any extra and I mean, thing. What does the Ducati, I don't know what they're up to now, the Pingali R retail for? Aren't those usually like 50 or 60 grand? Yeah, I forget what that was for. So I feel like they could have, it's not an S1000R with all the bits and pieces um, to go to the track and to show off to your buddies. Like, And it had no headlight taillight, so it's not like you can ride it to the coffee shop, which was kind of a, a bummer. But um, I'm going to follow this lady. Unless I don't know. She knows where she's going. But it was a definitely a track only thing, but it, it might be one of those things like if you have enough money to buy it, you can take it on the street. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, they are race only. They don't have turn the turn signals. I don't think it even had a headlight. It had no headlight, no taillight, but it yeah. is like, it's super hot. And I honestly like, I mean, if you have a race team, 40 grand is not that bad. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of guys that go to the track on $40,000 bikes. You know, so it's super cool. It's also cool to see someone do it, excuse me, someone do it, even just to prove they can do it. So it was super sexy, inline four, whatever on that. But I remember the old like HP4 or HP2. HP2, which was the boxer. But that one had headlight and everything, I thought. That was like a, that was a track day bike that had to be street legal. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it it was was an opposing twin. So how much of a, like, I feel like a track only, race only, opposing twin BMW. Would well, be they didn't have a force inline four yet, so I think it was like right when the S one thousand either came out or was getting ready to come out. Maybe it was a couple years before. Yeah, but it was super hot. It was a good looking bike. 
I don't know what the stock version was that wasn't all carbon. It was a, uh, oh, of the HP2? Yeah. It was the, um, the S, or, no, no, not the S. It was the R1100. But it was like the newer version R1100S. Um, yeah, it was an R1100S, and they had an R1200S, and then they had the K1300S, and each one, each time it went up, uh, the... Um, they got a new HP4? HP2. Or HP2. Yeah, it would be okay. a new version. So- All right, everybody. Well, not quite the uh, K1300S. I was thinking of the K1300S because that's kind of what the old HP2 looked like, but not really. It never went past that 1170cc boxer that they use in the you know the R1200s. And uh, basically, I think it stopped the same year. I think it was 2010, when, which is when the S1000RR came out. That was the last year of the HP2. Also, the HP4, the full-on carbon fiber S1000RR, um, that 3 that I said, replace that with a 7. It is double what we were thinking. It's not... 40,000 bucks, it's right around 80,000 bucks, $78,000. So yeah, not quite as cheap as we were thinking, but still right in the pocket uh, book, I guess, capability of a World Superbike team or whoever's going to be racing this thing. I'd say that's right in their wheelhouse. Hey everybody, it's not Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, or Super Sunday anymore, but the holiday gift-giving season is coming up. Check out our friends over at RP Enterprises, creators of the Lobotomizer, the Petoff 360, and the Seasonizer. It was like super, I mean, they were super cool. The uh, R9T, they have a more affordable version. Yeah, they, so they, it's so funny too, because they announced all this stuff all of, like when they announced their 2017 bikes, but they're not coming out yet until like 2018. BMW has been like that, where they announce something and then they don't actually sell it to you for like eight or nine months. So the R9T is, uh, there was their base model R9T. Now the R9T Pure lets you get into the R9T experience for a little bit less. And it doesn't have inverted forks. It doesn't have like all the cool trim levels that the uh, oops, that the uh, R9T has. It's got like the, the stock. Jesus Christ. Um, but so that was super cool. They had a couple BMW scooters. Those were whatever. Yeah. Well, those have been in love scooters. Those, yeah, those have been around for a while. That that X Evolution C. The the. Uh, I only want a scooter if it's 900 cc's or above. Oh, dude, I know. It's so tough getting Chris to look at anything <laughs> under under 900 cc today. Under under, we'll realistically say like 600. But um, because you like the SV 600. Oh, SV 650. Oh god, I love those. Um, little running joke. I just don't have anything small. It's not. Yeah. I'm not totally against it. You're a wiener, even. Although you're no, that's definitely that's why every bike I own is big to compensate for that. <laughs> right. That's um, why I have a. That's why my 250 seems so magnificent to me. <laughs> I actually have a vagina. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I just can't imagine like getting out on the freeway on a 250. Um, you should try it sometime. It's exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> I had an old 400-something Honda, and I took it out on the freeway and blew a head uh, gasket. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I f- so next was Harley-Davidson. 
Yeah. Um, Harley got a lot of hate on the Sport Glide, and people are, they had a lot of hate on the Soft Tail. People are changing their mind. They got a lot of hate on the Sport Glide. People are changing their mind. The Sport Glide is basically a Soft Tail Lowrider with a quick detach fairing and bags. Like, literally, I didn't know that front fairing was detached. Oh, yeah, I knew it like, was. I didn't like, know it was that easy, though. That's what I, yeah, and like, it, it, it literally took all of about three seconds for them to clip it off. You could take off the fairing and set it down nicely, take off both bags, that is set, this person. set them down nicely, pick up the fairing, put it back on the bike, pick up each bag individually, put them back on the bike, in under one minute. Yeah, the guy kind of did it too. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he's done it a few times, but you literally like two little clips, pop, pop, little fairings off. Yeah. Open the bags, little thing on each side, and they pop right off. It's the same little mounts that your backrest and other bags, no, the bags were different, but the backrest mounted to, quick detach, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it's the same kind of simple mounts. They've had quick, quick detach like windshields in the PNA catalog forever, and I feel like that that's probably where they got their yeah. impetus for this from. Is like those are best sellers. And it, and they described it when they were talking. It's a mini version of the Road Glide or Ultra Glide or whatever fairing. Yeah. And I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan. I don't know. One, people are going to change. Um, but to, you know, and I kind of agree, like, I think it would have been super bitching with a Dyna fairing. However, I know why they did that fairing. Yeah. And the thing is too, like, you could probably buy those bags for a lowrider. And if you want a Dyna fairing, you could put a Dyna fairing with quick detach hardware too. So, but it's super cool that someone like that, it is production, like it's already there. So it's, and it's cool to see the motor company trying and they were like, look, you want to ride during the week to work or whatever, there's your bike. You want to go on a long weekend, same bike. Yeah. Um, so it was cool. And honestly, like with that amount of bags, you can load up and go to Sturgis. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely there. It was super cool. Um, I think everything else, there was nothing like new, new from Harley. That no, you know what I didn't notice about the 880, the iron 883? This year it has like a little crazy fairing on it. The, the, did you see the one that was there? It had like Clubman bars. I did not. And it had this little fairing on the front, like a little kind of smoky windscreen. And I didn't think that was on it, but it but they were showing it on their picture of it, on the what it came with, and it showed that stuff. Nice. Um, we already talked about Honda. Yep. So next on the list is Suzuki. Oh yeah, I actually missed half of their show because I was so enthralled with the Goldwing. Yeah. Um, Suzuki's back out with the SV650. I know a lot of people in motorcycle land are disappointed they didn't update the motor. Well, last year, they came out with the SV650 last year, but they didn't have the SV650X, so I'm not sure if that's gonna be for the North American market. Yeah, I didn't see an X, so I don't know. Yeah, it's the hipster one with the little bikini Cafe fairing on the front. This one had a round headlight. It had a super good looking tail section. Back to the trellis frame, not that Gladius whatever bike yeah. thing. It actually it actually came out last Did year. Did they fuel inject it? Did we see it? Did we? They had to fuel injected it, right? Yeah. Okay. It's all new, and it, it, they Junkie came out. Turbine says they fuel injected it, so we're gonna go yeah. if it's fuel injected. And it came. It actually came out last year. And what's it retail for? Seven uh, grand. Yeah, it's like cheap. Here's the thing, like the SV650, okay, they didn't update the motor. No. What should they have updated? Made it a 700? 
What are you gonna update if you're gonna keep it a 650? It's a bitchin' little motor. Yeah. That bike is a cult bike for a reason. Yeah, they did update some, like they updated some motor components, yeah. but they didn't, uh, like you're right, they didn't update like the style, the displacement, any of that stuff, but the motor is a little bit re-engineered to meet Euro 4 standards. And it was it did receive some like cosmetic differences, but for the most part, yeah, it's still an SV650. And it, it didn't get inverted forks, but its competitor is the MT07 since Yamaha changed their name. Yeah. And it doesn't have inverted forks either. Like it, honestly, if you're gonna buy an SV650, you probably don't care that much about inverted forks. Would I spend another 500 bucks on inverted forks? Yeah. Would I spend another grand on inverted forks? I don't know. So if I was buying that bike at seven grand, yeah. So would I want an eight thousand dollar Kazoo now it has inverted forks? When honestly, you can put a Jixxer front end on it pretty easy. Yeah, four grand. And the Jixxers that were there, the GSX S and the GSX R were pretty cool. Uh, I know the they have a, Yeah, they have a GSX SZ coming out this year. They also have the V the V-Strom one thousand XT which I think last year they debuted the 650. This, for 2018, they're bringing out the 1000. We already knew that, like, that wasn't a secret. They, they told us that last year, but we actually got to see the bikes there and they look pretty tight. The V-Strom looked awesome. It was, for the nice deluxe one, it was $13,300. Yeah. I know there's a lot of Beamer fans out there and maybe I don't get it, but damn, if I'm gonna go off-road an ADV bike, that V-Strom was hot. Yeah. It was a good-looking, capable bike. I don't know what retail on the Africa Twin was. It, I think it's like 16, I want to say. And back to my bias of V-Twins, which yeah. is fighting with my bias towards Honda. So, you know, I, I, it's kind of up to you guys. And the guy was telling us he's got a Super Tenere, which I really like. I don't know how he pronounced it. Uh, Tenere. Tenere, yeah. And uh, he said he paid less than 13 for that, so I don't really know. But I've heard... I got another friend with a Tenere, and he said it's like he had like 18 grand in it. Well, I thought they were done. 16 out the door, but who knows? Well, and maybe we're not. It could be a three-year-old model. We're not hearing the whole yeah. story. And honestly, the FJ09, like, geez, man, I had an FZ09. That thing's got tons of torque and horsepower. Like, that would be an awesome ADV bike. You know what? The FJ was the same thing with a little bit longer suspension. Yeah, um, it had a little bit more of a fairing than the FZ. Yeah, different It was riding. an adventure bike It was style. basically an adventure bike, and I don't think it was much more than the FZ09, which was either. like nine grand up there. It was like right? a grand more, I think. Yeah. Um, so that was cool from Suzuki. The naked, yeah, like we kind of hit on the GSXS. Yeah, that is basically just a naked version of the GSXR. They still had inverted forks. and But they also have a GX. A GXS, a GXS, God damn it! But they have one of, one of those the the S ones that does have a fairing. Um, so the the uh, a full fairing? Yeah, and so the S version is like a non fairing They have the. I think the full fairing was a GSXR. I'm just messing. With you, but <laughs> <laughs> they have a GSXS. Uh, where? Oh shit. Yeah, I, I should get on the freeway. Five South? Is that what it's telling me to do? Your ways is high. Huh. Whatever, I'm not driving, I don't care. Yeah. Um, should I rear end this guy? <laughs> How many times have I said that today? <laughs> That's the third or fourth that I know of. <laughs> I agree with the Hummer and the Prius. 
Those are like the two worst cars on the road. Yeah. <laughs> half of our listeners have Prius and the other half have Hummers. Uh, Hummers. It's so funny because you can hear me. I drive a stick and you can hear it sh- every time I shift because the, the, the microphone's like right down here in my crotch area. Um, so Suzuki, like nothing groundbreaking, but still oh, cool. Chris, still... Chris didn't like the Van Van. You know what I did? Like the the Van Van with flat track tires. It had legit K one eighty street legal yeah. flat track tires, but they were super fat. They are. They're gigantic. That you know I do like, but again, like I want a bike I can get on the freeway on. Yeah. So I want a bike that does a hundred mile an hour easy. Oh man. So there goes everything uh, that you own that I own. Well, uh, you know what? Too? That's what's kind of nice about this podcast. It's two different, like totally different points of view. I had a little a unique perspective because they're bringing uh, a four hundred Bergman. They already have a two hundred. They already have the six fifty. And my neighbor used to have a six fifty Bergman, and that thing took off like a fucking SV six fifty. Like you would be surprised what a CVT yeah. on a six fifty could do. And my dad had a Silverwing, I think two fifty scooter, and. Or he, his fiance had it, and uh, the thing would do like 85 mile an hour. Yeah, like, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So after Suzuki, they pulled us over to the Progressive Parlor Tour. Yeah. But I will say this: um, they kind of were cheesy about it the way they announced it all. Like people in the media cared that much. Yeah, Jackie Van Ham was there. She was doing her best to do like the spokeswoman thing, but you could kind of tell she was kind of like. Cause she's a legit motorcyclist and you could kind of tell that she was like, sorry guys, I have to do this. But it was like, yeah. we love you. We love, you know, cheesy, cheesy. I could tell. But I'll like, say this. If you are a progressive motorcycle insurance or car insurance, I don't think you had to show them a motorcycle car. Just if you were a progressive customer, you can go in there. They had coffee, yep. which there were no booze in it, but it's still free coffee. You can get a little progressive t-shirt that actually looked kind of cool, except 90% of my sponsors give me free t-shirts, so I didn't get yeah. one. Turdman got one. I got one with if Flo. They, if they had Flo with a junkie Turdman on her head, I would have got one. Um, they also have a little barber chair sidecar set up where you can get airbrush temporary tattoos. Yeah, that year old that was there last year for Flo's Chop Shop, the front of it opens up and folds out, and it's a legit barber chair. Yeah. And they were doing... And you get non-legit airbrush you tattoos. You get non-legit tattoos in it. So there you go. So that I thought was kind of cheeseball, but whatever. You know what, though? It's not cheeseball if you have, like, a 10-year-old kid who wants yeah. a fake temporary tattoo. Um, or, so that's kind of cool. Or a, or a kid that has a real tattoo that's 10, and you tell him, we're going to go get that thing covered up, and then you take him and it's airbrushed. <laughs> and then when it washes off, you laugh at him and you think it's funny. And then they had Flo's Chop Shop where you could literally get... They wouldn't give you haircuts, but they would trim your beard up and your neckline and stuff like that. Yeah, women, and, uh, and it said for progressive men and women, so women could go get their mustaches waxed as yeah. well, their beards trimmed. Although... I have a shitty beard that needs a trim, and I didn't have them trim it, so whatever. Yeah. You're, you look good, man. You're, 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 as Emma would say, you're nicely groomed. <laughs> and then they gave us a cool little lunch. It was actually pretty decent. You guys probably don't give a shit. What was after lunch? <laughs> Should I leave that in just because? <laughs> you guys don't care, but our lunch was excellent. It was pretty good. Fuck you. That quinoa salad was delish. Uh, Had pickles in it. Wig- Wiggins noticed the pickles. Oh, dude, the, the quinoa salad was actually good because it did have. What? This thing got us off the freeway where it's all blue. It's we're on the six hundred five now, which is great. Yeah, it wants us to get. Well, we're not yet. We're getting ready to. Okay. Do 
I stay in this lane? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So then it was Pizzaggio. Yeah, Piaggio was interesting. I didn't understand a word the guy said, but they had their Aprilias there, which I love, the V4s. They had yeah. the... Uh, they had Vespa the, scooters and the Moto Guzzi's. Moto Guzzi's, which has the bobber, which I thought looked pretty cool. So the Moto Guzzi's I thought looked pretty good. I will say this, good and bad. I did not know this about Moto Guzzi. The ones that I sat on, which I didn't sit on the weird carbon bagger, I sat on the V7. And they make a bigger motor one. But to me, a Moto Guzzi... I would want like basically an R9T but a Moto Guzzi. And if it came down to those two, I'd probably spend my money on the Moto Guzzi. Yeah. One, now the Moto Guzzi felt chintzy. Like the controls and stuff felt cheap. Hmm. However, because it's an Italian. It was like eight grand. Yeah. Yes, because to me, Moto Guzzi <laughs> has always been like a pizza a, topping. An Italian version of a BMW. I love, and BMW talked about, was it them that we're talking about, where they basically got to the limits of their motor and that's when they changed and got away from the opposing twin, even though they still do it in a lot of things. And Moto Guzzi may come to that point, but one thing I really, oh no, is Ducati said that about the V4. Yeah. And I get it because Ducati is a performance bike and they felt like they were getting to the limits of performance for a V-twin. If you think about it, like, what were they up to, 1290? Or 1200? Yeah. But that's a 600cc cylinder slapping around at 12,000 RPM. That's a big ass piston. Yeah. So it's a paint. It's a little paint can moving up and yeah. down. Yeah. So I mean, I get it. So, but and Moto Guzzi's not that caliber of like a race bike, so they can get away with it. But Moto Guzzi, um, they're a style. Style. They are, and I like that all of their bikes are a inline V twin, <laughs> transverse, transverse, transverse V twin. Um, and I like that about it. Wait, I thought the CB750 was transverse. Um, and by the way, uh, Sandra Parker, I'm sorry, they didn't have a V85 there for us to cover. So that beautiful multicolored uh, ADV bike is Eichma only. Oh, yeah, yeah, the new one. Yeah. So if it was in line like the Cis, that was not a transverse. It was a linear, I don't know. Anyway, they yeah. do their little V-twin that's sideways and uh, super cool. Or if you want to compare it the other way, it's a BMW, but it's a 90 degree V instead of 180. Yeah. So super cool. Um, and it's like their thing. Like they do that and no one else does. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. And I really like, as a motorcyclist, I think that's something people should look at and consider when buying a bike. Like to me, BMW doesn't sponsor me. I guess I can say this. I don't want to buy a Beamer that's not an opposing twin. Yeah. Um, you, would have, you would have done good on that R100 that was a, a giveaway bike in Flo's <laughs> Chop Shop. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, that was kind of my thing. They felt chintzy, but they weren't expensive. They were like eight grand or something for the V7. Yeah. They're so priced nicely. So, yeah. Yes, they feel chintzy, but you get what you pay for. And I'm sure quality-wise of the motorcycle is actually pretty good. Yeah. And people forget all the time that Moto Guzzi actually has the Stelvio 
and the uh, you know they have like a legit ADV bikes to compete with BMW, but they just nobody remembers that. It's almost yeah. like Triumph. Everyone thinks of the you know the Bonneville, and they forget they have the Tigers and all that shit. Well, so. That might be a marketing problem on their end. Yeah, we don't, and they're not paying us. We don't need to market that part. Yeah. So I'm that just, was cool. The Aprilias were cool. Like I think there was nothing again revolutionary from Aprilia, but no, they were just showing them. But they, you know, it's a bitchin' V4, the RSV4. They had a few different models of it. It was cool. They, I did like, they kind of busted Yamaha's balls without saying anything bad about Yamaha with their Piaggio scooter, the, the three-wheeled one that leans. Oh, that's, the P3's been out for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's been out for 10 years. So it was super cool to see them, like, we've had this for a long time, however yeah. you worded it. Like, Yamaha had to get around the Piaggio patents. Oh, That's really? probably why theirs has dual forks instead of like a leaning, just a leaning front end. Because oh. that would have been patent infringement. So after that was Royal Enfield? Yeah, Royal Enfield, man. Finally, we... we Turbin loves Royal Enfield. Dude, first bike I ever crashed. Yeah. Well, it fits you. It's a 500cc single and it's like $1,500. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a little large for your liking. <laughs> it's double what I... No, man. I they look good. I love, I just, I don't care the displacement of a bike. I just love this. The, I love that classic styling for some reason. I'm when a I, cheap motherfucker too, so <laughs> the, the price point's perfect. Those things were all under seven grand. Even for the new 650 Twin was under seven grand. Yeah, so that's a big news. That's, again, whoops, like, spoiler, I'm, Chris. I'm sure we didn't, we levers, didn't build up to that part yet. Yes, yeah, some of the stuff was uh, kind of chintzy. And it just looked older. Like, a lot of the stuff looked like old 70s hotness. Yeah. Which... It Again, was old 50s Royal Enfield. And if you want, yeah, if you want that retro, like, you don't get much more retro styling than that. Yeah. That's not retro styling. That's retro yeah. tooling. Uh, yeah. Up until they redesigned them and fuel injected them, I, I, I think it was 2012, they used the same tools, same castings, everything as they did back in the late 40s. And then in their little thing, they were telling us how Royal Enfield uh, India was established in like 52. There was bikes over there before that, but um, but yeah, like 52 or 55 or something like that was when, when Royal... They kind of shut down in Britain, right? Yeah, yeah. And then someone bought them? Uh, well, you know, the... the uh, they moved they were requested in India and then when it when they did shut down in England yeah they moved over there and then yeah it was similar to like Harley and Indian and everybody that gets kind of like bought out by another company briefly uh, the production yeah. moved all the shut down all the way in England kind of like wasn't briefly it was like 50 years well yeah well <laughs> but I have to say though no I mean they were they were owned by other people in 2008 and 2011 yeah you just before before Polaris bought them, like they were nobody, bought a few times. Nobody knew. Yeah, I do. One thing I like about Royal Enfield is they really embrace that they're from India, um, and it seems like the people in India around the factory are proud of those bikes. Yeah. So. Yes, they're not going to have the quality of a Japanese brand from Japan. However, I feel like, one, they're really ramping up numbers. But I feel like the employees and the company is, they're not striving to build a cheap bike. Like, they're striving to build a better quality bike. Even And they're keeping the price point because in the country they're sold. That's the price point they need to be at. But 
I feel like the pride of India kind of came through. Like we got to watch a little video and the main engineer sounded like he was from India. So yeah. it was super cool to see and to see that around a company. Like I feel like you go to the Midwest around like, and I've ridden a non, I hope the, what's the police podcast? I hope they don't listen to us. Yeah. Um, the wheelman? Law abiding bikers. Law abiding bikers. Um, I've literally ridden a Sportster that has not been registered in a few years with no headlight taillight through downtown Milwaukee. Like, and we've had cops like pass us and just kind of wave like, okay, cool. And we're there with Harley, invited by Harley. It's a big Harley event, but you can see the pride of Harley Davidson in Milwaukee. And I felt like that was super cool with Royal Enfield too. Yeah. So that was neat. Um, the bigger bikes are cool. You know, the Himalayan came out uh, last Himalayan year. super cool. What was that thing? 4,500 bucks? Yeah. So it's a 400. It's been out for a couple years, but it never in the States. So finally it's making its debut over here in the States. Um, the new, there was rumored that they were going to be dropping a 750 for like the past couple years. And it finally comes out that they dropped a 650 yeah. and it looks like a Triumph. Well, some of the designers may have come from Triumph. Yeah. So that's Wiggins was, was telling me that some they all have SNS pipes on them too. Yeah, and they all have SNS Which, pipes. They're all under six grand, I think. Yeah, and um, kudos to SNS because the numbers that they're producing, like that's a big number for SNS. Yeah. So that's cool to see them like at that factory level um, working on OEM pipes. Yeah. So that was cool, and I guess someone. I knew that, but I didn't see it. Someone else like looked at it and they were like, oh, they all have SNS pipes. So yeah. that was, uh, it's noticeable. So it might be good for the brand of SNS. Yeah. Um, so that was neat. And the crazy thing is that last year, um, I forget the guy's name. He was an, he was a rep from like India. Um, he was noting that they are opening their North American headquarters in Milwaukee, like in Harley's backyard. So SNS probably does a lot of work with Harley and they're like, Hey, here's a, another company that globally is like Harley. There's like as many, there's probably more Royal Enfields than Harley's out there. But in India, the guy made a good point. You probably ride a Bajaj or some, or a hero or some 125 and the 500 bullets or the 400 Himalayans are something that you can aspire to, um, own and then this new twin the eliminator they haven't had a twin since like 1960 something so it's the first time the twins are back too so that's pretty rad yeah um yeah just good bike like if you're to me that bike for a lot of people or what i saw when i saw it it's like the the guy that wants a cool retro looking bike doesn't want to fix up an old Honda, doesn't have anything old, but really likes that styling for basically five grand if you want a single or 6,500 if you want a twin, you can go buy a brand new Royal Enfield to ride down to your coffee shop on Sunday morning. Yeah. Super cool. And the crazy thing was the old Continental had the 500 with like, there was a lot of rigid parts that would vibrate just because it was a big, you know, big thumper. And a lot of people talked about a buzz or a vibration that you had to like get different pegs for, different grips for and stuff like that to mute some of the thumperiness of it. Even with the new fuel injected uh, motor, 
this new one's a twin, and it's it's uh, the firing order. I think he said was 270 or something like that. So it's going to be a smooth, a smooth twin. You're not going to have that lumpy, vibrate-y, you know, falling apart Royal Enfield anymore. You're going to have something that has been designed with possibly Triumph, you know, and uh, so it's going to have like a newer, newer design and redesign because you can't. It's Euro 4, so you can't take an old 1950s motor anymore and pass. You know, you gotta you gotta redesign it. So it is from the ground up, so yeah. that's cool. Basically, what I think Chris was trying to say is I'm a cheap mofo that'll only ride 250s. <laughs> it's not true. I'm just a cheap mofo. Um, I love Royal Enfields too. All right, let's step away for a quick interview. All right, everybody, we are here at IMS 2017 again in the vendor area this time. I've been sneaking around booth to booth. Uh, I'm here with Jeff and Roger, and we're going to talk a little bit about what looks like a squiggly spring racked around a metal thing. So, Well, no need to get technical. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know uh, I jumped in here. I, I saw, first of all, the bikes attracted me, the bikes on your, uh, your marketing there. Um, and so then I looked up and I saw, hey, it's suspension. So can you guys run me through exactly what it is that you do? What, is, what, uh, what do you provide? What is your product? And uh, what, what type of bikes do you provide it for? Thanks. Happy to do that. I'm, I'm Jeff from Icon Suspension. He, he doesn't look like a Jeff. No, but I don't look like a Jeff. It's, it's because we spell it differently down in Australia. We do have some American Jeffs, but I'm a G Jeff, you know. But <laughs> that aside, the, uh, the history of our company... Uh, in motorcycle suspension spans more than 50 years and in fact this year 2017 uh, we and Coney Shock Absorbers which is where our heritage comes from uh, celebrate 50 years of motorcycle suspension across the era of Coney and Icon suspension so that's why you see a lot of vintage looking products and vintage looking motorcycles in our range um, and we also do right up to present day, uh, not just the present day retro type bikes or bikes that still continue with the more what you might call traditional suspensions, but also the modern monoshock suspensions, uh, bikes for road and off-road, uh, all that kind of product ranges there, including customised products that we'll make for people for all sorts of applications. and. Uh, that can be used, as you saw, on some of our material on bikes that are being used in racing, as well as bikes that are just used on the street or on the dirt for recreational purposes. And I noticed when I when I saw it looks like you have a lot of uh, metric stuff, but there's even a Harley Davidson. So you guys provide for everybody. Yep, the the A to Z of motorcycles, uh, from the oldest of them to the newest of them, is what we are out to do. So you know, we still make shock absorbers for. 1940s, 50s Vincents, as well as the shock absorbers that we'll make for a 2017, come 2018, Harley Davidson or Triumph or whatever it might be. And, well, a side note, how many Vincent owners are still out there buying stuff from you guys? I have no idea, but it seems that every year we will make several small batches, and uh, I'm presently in contact through one of our other dealers with the... Um, Vincent Owners Club here in um, the United States who will be having their annual meeting in Kerrville, Texas in 2018, which when I'm in the United States is about an hour's drive from where I base myself in New Braunfels, Texas. So 
there's at least 100 of them here in the U.S. That's great. And Roger, don't be so shy over here. Uh, can you can you walk us through some of the like product range and some of the applications that you can get out of this or some of the technical stuff? You seem sure, like the more well, technical guy. It's great to see you here at the Precision Burring Manufacture and Tuna Fish Canning Show. <laughs> it's... Uh, not really sure where motorcycles fit into this, but I'll give it a go. All right, guys, you're, they're on to me. They, they outed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name's Roger Kerwin. I'm uh, originally from Liverpool in the UK. Are you familiar with Liverpool? Oh, that's where my favorite band's from. Oh, what, who's that? Uh, Oasis. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you've obviously not been to Liverpool, have you? No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm based in uh, Bedford, Pennsylvania. And I run IconSuspensionUSA.com. And uh, at our Bedford operation, at our US office, we supply the full range of Icon suspension. And we can also help customers who are maybe building something a bit special. For example, say you're building a special bike, you want a lower seat height than what it comes with originally, we can help you. We can help you with one inch, maybe an inch and a half shorter shocks. Uh, which will lower the seat height down and give you that real custom look. Or maybe, maybe you're just having a bit of a challenge with that inseam. Well, it helps if you can lower that bike, keeps you more firmly in control. So at the Bedford operation, as well as handling sales there and shipping them out all over the US and into Canada, and indeed into the South American countries as well, we also rebuild them. Because do you know that Icon Suspension is fully rebuildable? Wow, I didn't know that, but now that I look at it, I can tell that it's way better than most stock suspensions that are non-serviceable. You have to you have to bin them, and this is great that if you, you invest in one of these, that you can continue to use it over and over and rebuild it. Yeah, you know, when you get a set of Icon suspension, fully rebuildable, which generally speaking is always a sign of a better quality suspension system, an upgrade over the standard. You know the other thing that we do as well? If somebody calls us and tells us what weight they are, straight out, buck naked, straight out the shower, we'll add on about 10, 15 pounds to allow for your helmet and your riding gear, and we will supply the shocks to you with the correct spring rate. You know, whenever you're setting up suspension, manufacturers, they don't know how heavy the rider is going to be. It could be some 95-pound girl or a 450-pound guy. There's no such thing as a shock absorber that will cover that kind of range. So we narrow down that range, we determine what your weight is and supply suitable spring rates on the shocks ready for you to, for you to install. And I've got to tell you what a huge difference that really makes to the quality of your ride and the handling. Yeah, there's other motorcycle shows. Uh, a woman, in fact, from a Motorific podcast, the, her Triumph beautiful bike handled great but the suspension was sprung for a 170 pound guy and she weighed like 110 pounds or something like that now also if i have an old clapped out pair of shocks and i'm looking to upgrade or like if i have a motocross bike do you guys do motocross suspension sure, absolutely yeah we do uh, we do a lot with vintage motocross bikes we do a range called the vmx vintage motocross figured i'd spell it out free unless you wasn't sure if you were going to pick up on that one too quickly. I'm as daft as I look. So uh, yeah, we do uh, we do a VMX shop, which is really popular with all the guys doing vintage motocross. You know, Makos and Husqvarna's. You know, bikes like that. 
especially here in SoCal where we ride almost all year round, have lots of desert space out here, there is a huge vintage motocross scene, especially in from San Diego up here to the LA area. So that's that's awesome to hear because, you know, it might be getting colder out. I might not want to ride my well, cold for California, 50, you know, 60, but I might want to whip out my motocross bike, and it's good to know, because all of my shocks are thrashed on my bike, so it's good to know that I can come to you guys and cover both bases on that. And progressive suspension, standard suspension, do you guys run them all? Do you guys make them all, service them all? Uh, we just handle Kony and Icon suspension, which, of course, are the two leading manufacturers in the suspension world. Why would we want to service anything else? So, uh, yeah, our main focus is on the uh, the Coneys and, and Icons. Uh, Jeff, did you tell them about the anniversary that's uh, come up? I did. I mentioned the anniversary of 50 years of um, uh, Coney shock absorbers and Icon shock absorbers. Coney launched their motorcycle range in uh, 1967. Uh, they manufactured the product continuously through till early 2000. Uh, and then uh, during 2000 they tapered off and we uh, took over at the end of 2000 and from 2001 the product was available in the Icon brand. I just wanted to pick up on um, one of the things that Roger was talking about there which is so fundamentally true about different riders needing different suspensions and having them tuned appropriately and, and you were talking about that young lady as well. But Roger um, supplied a, a client with a uh, uh, set of shocks that we made for his uh, old Honda CL350. So this was a vintage one, and um, you know, getting the setup correct led him to tell us, and I'm just quoting from, from his email right now: the shocks work great. They inspire much more confidence and keep the old bike from getting out of shape so easily. Before just hitting the yellow line in the wrong spot at certain speeds, the CL will get pretty unnerving and now I can just ride on. Like, that's what we want. And that keys perfectly in with one of two of our corporate sort of slogans, bike on with icon. You know, that's what we want people to do. We want people to be able to be on their motorcycle and riding it. We've come across too many people over the years who don't ride a bike not because they've lost interest in motorcycles, but because, oh, it hurt my back, or, oh, I couldn't get my feet on the ground, this sort of thing. The other thing that we like to have as a, a, a slogan, a sort of almost a mission statement, if you will, is because your ride matters. And that's not that your ride is the same as Roger's or mine, it's you. It, it needs to be that individual. Um, it, it, expecting one set of shock absorbers and springs to suit everybody is about as sensible as supplying a shoe shop with only one size of shoe and expect everybody to wear it. Same thing. So we don't do that with suspension either. But as Roger pointed out, and this is no criticism of the OEMs, because it's a catch-22 for them. Whereas once you enter the aftermarket, well then, okay, yeah, we can deal with you at that individual level. And we can provide products in a variety of price ranges, technical levels. Yes, they're all rebuildable. Some of them are not adjustable, so they're a very basic, we call it a basics type product, that's a little less expensive. Others have adjustable rebound, um, adjustable preload in at least three positions, or you can have lightweight aluminum, as you guys like to call it. We call it aluminium. Aluminium, yeah. yeah. Um, with screw thread, very fine tunable, that sort of thing. 
some of our shocks are gas pressurised, some are not. These are the sorts of features that we'll use to see to it that we actually deliver on the ability for someone to bike on with Icon, and why? Because their ride matters. That's a tying those two. You know, one of the things that people bin, the first thing is they get a new exhaust. Everybody dumps their exhaust. And one of the things that most affects your ride is your suspension. And it's, it's funny to me that they don't address that first. So this yeah. that's great to know that. Yeah, we do so much with the cafe racer scene. And indeed, I've been a, a big advocate of cafe racers since the first time around. Um, so I, I work with an awful lot of customers. Yeah, and they'll have cafes then. <laughs> well, it was a, a cup of tea in a cracked cup oh. that we used to pass around and Put several straws in. We were very poor back then, you know. Yeah, yeah lived in the shoebox. Yeah. You know, had to walk uphill to school both ways. You ah. know, there and back. Yeah, with a camel on your back. Uh, indeed, often too. You know, yeah. yeah. Used to get the hump quite bad. Yeah. I think we'll move on from that, Larry. <laughs> so guys will spend an awful lot of money in building cafe races, and they send us in photographs and stuff. And they've got aluminum, aluminium, aluminum tanks and bum stop seats clip on handlebars rear set footrests they're obviously spending a lot of money on the engine work really hopping up the engine rebuilding transmissions and then i look at the suspension and i see this knackered old pair of shocks hanging off the arse end of the bike and i think how could you possibly be so into the bike to spend all that filthy lucre on the bike, getting it looking great and neglecting the suspension. I'll say to the guys, you know, if you put some decent shock absorbers on that, and by decent I mean Icon, your handling and your enjoyment of that bike will be, will be so much magnified to what you have now. They sit there, they scratch their heads. You know what I think the reason is? I think when we talk about suspension on bikes, it's like talking about lacing up a spoked wheel. It's that dark art. Very few people really understand it or want to learn how to get involved in it. And that's really where we can come in. Just a call to uh, Icon Suspension uh, in Pennsylvania, and we can fix you up with shocks suitable for the bike, spring them to suit your weight, and most importantly, offer you a pair of shocks for most twin shock bikes, starting at $280 for a pair, that's two of them, going up to around about 600 bucks if you want to get hydraulically damped and gas charged and red springs and sexy aluminum bodies and all that good stuff. So with that kind of price range of 280 to 600 for most twin shock bikes, we can, we can fit most people's pockets and supply them with good quality suspension that lasts and most importantly is rebuildable. We're talking here about shocks for the life of the bike. Right. You're going to go from a cafe rider to a cafe racer because, like you said, if you got a pair of knackered, springy wingies, whatever you call them, uh, yeah, you're not going to be doing performance anything. You know, it's not, it's not even show at that point. It's like, you know, everything, and then that's like the, you painted some shit on the bike. Can we say that on this podcast? I think we can. But, yeah, so... Address, address your suspension. And I wanted to ask you real quick too, is it any coincidence that Icon is spelled I-K-O-N and Coney was K-O-N-I, is that? Yes and no. Um, when the transition started off, um, we engaged a marketing consultant because uh, Coney, quite rightly and appropriately, even to this day, still exists, 
and they have need of their trademark and so uh, that needs to be appropriately respected. Then as the process unfolded, the um, marketing agent who had no particular brief as to what, what bag of names we might have to choose from. They came back to us and said, well guys, we've done the research and we have established that Coney shock absorbers were and still are and in the fields that they continue to work in, an icon of suspension. Unveil icon with the C changed to a K. What do you think of that? We said, fantastic. It speaks to what the heritage of this product is and what we need to continue to be as a product in the marketplace moving on, and that's now 17 plus years that we've been doing it, uh, even though our company has been doing suspension for over 50 years, like Coney, we've been involved since 1962 with suspension generally, motorcycles since 67. So, you know, having that iconic kind of position is where it came from. It just happened to very conveniently become an anagram of the word Coney. That was completely coincidental. And then on Monday, when they all came back to the office, they said, Carl, you bastard, you misspelled Coney on the paperwork, but it worked out perfectly. They loved it. Let's run with it. And now here, years later... Something like that. Yeah. Makes for a great story, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Yeah. It's true. No, it's great. And, and thank you for uh, running us through this. Guys, check them out. Icon, I-K-O-N, suspension.com. I'll leave a note in the... Uh, I'll leave a link to the website in the show notes, but these, they look great. Obviously... You know, Roger and Jeff, they really have no idea what they're talking about, but they're fun to hang out with. So if you want, if you really want some, uh, you know, good suspension, these guys, obviously, they know, what, they know what they're talking about. These little metal springy thingies, what I call them, they're calling them shocks and suspension. Hey Jeff, what's the uh, part number for the springy-wingy thingy? Uh, that's a springy-wingy number four. Oh, the number four version. That's the one with chocolate on it, isn't it? Shh. So check them out, iconsuspension.com. I'll leave a a link in the show notes. Uh, Thank you guys for hanging out. This has been no fun, by the way. Yeah, we hated it as well. But if I can just add a quick postscript, there's one other type of springy-wingy thing that we do, which is the fork springs for the front of many motorcycles. We found there's a tendency for motorcycles to hit most bumps and other road irregularities at the front first. So we think it's a pretty good idea if the front's well-supported, but if, if you guys can get your listeners to ride bikes backwards so the rear suspension hit first, you can ignore that front end. But we encourage some attention to the front end as well. All right. Well, guys, as soon as you figure out how to where reverse is on your bike, we can start riding them backwards. But until then, check out Icon Suspension for your front and rear needs. How's that? Oasis, hey. Yeah, Oasis. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, it takes I, all sorts, I suppose. I'm going to get it for that one. But thanks, guys. It's been fun hanging out. Oh, man. Icon Suspension. I will leave you a link in the show notes, but man, Jeff and Roger, it was so much fun just to hang out and like listen to their um, slang, their their non-American slang. Those guys were so much fun. You can also check them out on Instagram. Remember, it's I-K-O-N Suspension. And if you end up going over there or buying something from them, tell them you heard them on the show so that they know you listened and that their message got through. Um, so next week you walked over to Kawasaki. Oh yeah. They, I'm not gonna lie, sat on a Z125. Um, the only bike wants sub, to let me like have one. Or the only one. sub 750 that he sat on. Yeah, and that I would buy. Those things are rad. 
Um, it felt better to me than the Grom. I felt more centrally located on the bike where the Grom, and I didn't get to ride it, but the Grom, when I ride it especially, I feel like I'm on the front tire. Yeah. So, but it was super cool little bike. Um, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. The Grom seat, I feel like, is, is higher and pushes you, like, forward, and the rake angle isn't very good, where the Z125 is kind of like a weird little bike that's, like, raked out, and it has... Uh, an actual downslope behind the handlebars, so you're not the front seat's not pushing you up there onto the freaking triple clamps, you know. They didn't have the cool new retro 900s. Um, they had an H2R we could check out, but I checked that out a couple years ago and it was out. Yeah, it's the same old. Yeah, it's they're rad. But those are limited. Same. Should I wear on this guy? They're limited too. Like they're yeah. They actually said to order. You have a period to order. Yeah. It's ending soon. Yeah, on the on their website. Uh, the the ordering period I think ended in November, so it's so weird that they have the bike here. My, this might be like literally two weeks left to order it. Yeah. So they're super limited, um, and they always have been since 2015. So it's like one of those bikes that it's cool and it's a rad concept, and they they're fast, and they're awesome, but they're not like a they're not like a you know. I have an H2R that I ride around. They're kind of like those ones that you have and then you don't ride it. Like if you own a I feel Panigale like, or something. Yeah, you know? I feel like if you're in the income bracket to where you can afford one, that's what it's for. <laughs> Excuse me. You ride it up through the canyon to your little spot and you have breakfast and you ride back home. Like, yeah. Cool, but um, there was nothing else that I felt like was new or special from them. Nope. Everything was pretty much bold new graphics. So uh, we went over to... Ducati. Ducati. Um, the ducks were good. Ducati had a few new few new bikes. Yeah. The Multistradas were looking good. I like the sand paint job on the one. Yeah, the Multistrada cool. and the Multistrada Enduro R, like, they do look pretty tight. And one thing that the Enduro R had, I was hearing them talk about it, it's got, like, um, the computer system will know the telemetry and the lean angle. So you can like rip through the canyon with your buddy, and uh, if he was like talking shit, you guys can prove it. Yeah. Which, or or is if that you're good like, or bad? Like half you, of the fun with motorcycling is telling your buddy how much faster you are. Yeah. Or if you're like, oh, I almost had my knee down. You can look at the telemetry and it'll be like, you leaned over 24 degrees, and it'll yeah. be like, you did not almost have your knee down. And you're like, well, luckily you're seven foot tall because. Yeah. So that was cool. They unveiled in the U.S. anyway. This was the first stop of the IMS, they said. So they unveiled in the oh, okay. U.S. the Ducati Scrambler 1100. Um, I thought it was cool. The exhaust was super cool. It came out kind of like the old Scrambler. It tucked inside of the, like, swing arm, and then it came out. It wasn't, like, under the seat, under tail, but it came out under the rear seat and was kind of wider than the seat. So it was, like, a cool high pipe. But the way it was routed, like, in the swing arm was super rad. So that was cool, you know, if you're a guy that likes stuff bigger than 250s, the new Scrambler is big. <laughs> what was the old one, an 800 or something? There was a 410, or a 4, yeah, 410 or 400, a 900 or a 950, and now the 1100. Okay, so it was cool, like, I'm sure the price is going up, but that happens. And then, of course, the big news that I think we already talked about, and I'm sure most people have seen, but the... Well, Ducati had a 959 twin that was, like, a fancier one. It had it was a Corsa. Had Olens and stuff like that. 
had a regular swing arm, not a single-sided swing arm, um, but it was a super cool bike, and it was a really cool paint job, but it was matte, red, and white. Yeah, it was cool. And then, of course, the unveiling of the Pengali V4, so that was rad. We'd already seen it, knew about it, but got to see it in person. They pulled the sheet off. So many people were in front of me, I couldn't even see it. Yeah. I had to wait till they unveiled the Especiale. It's so funny because... I thought at your height, you would just like peer through their legs. I was... There was tall boots. People were wearing boots, so I couldn't see through the boots. You have to be careful about sexual harassment. Uh, Yeah, especially these days. Yep. Yes. And uh, and I was really good about uh, trying to be respectful of everybody trying to take pictures and everything, so I wasn't smashing people out of the way, but... Um, it was so funny the second that they said, and now here's the, you know, V4 et speciale, everybody. It was just like, it yeah. was like a cartoon how mobbish the yeah. whole crew just like went over to the next one. And there was like not one person on the old one that were just literally had like 500 people almost on top of it one second before. So it's funny. Ducati could poop in on a bag and say this is masterpiece and people only if they paint it red, red yellow and, or and, red yeah. green and white then yeah then it would be a yeah. $20,000 bag of shit yeah and everybody but would like flock to get a photo of it it was so funny as much funny. as I feel that way like I feel like it's a nice bike especially the especially Al, like but I'm sure it's 45 grand yeah but the benefit over the HP4 is it's got headlights you're right on the street yeah that's true it's a V4 which you guys, if you listen to the show, know that I love. And they sound cool and they're torquey as hell. Yeah. And I like the old Desmo Sedici. I wish the MotoGP fan in me wishes they had more of the MotoGP styling and less of the traditional Pengali styling or Panagali styling. Yeah. Like, so, but I also think more, the masses would like the styling that it has over the MotoGP styling. Yeah. Not the wings, but the little round, like, inlet. Yeah, You yeah. know, like, kind of rounded, where... The butt looks cool. The butt's a little bit different than the GP bike, but it's still cool that it has, I, like, the I air like vents. I like the tails like that. The yeah. air vent with the little narrow seat. Like, yeah. they look super cool. I like uh, going to the track, and there's the dude on, like, the brand new 1098 Pengali, and I smoke him on my 10-year-old Ducati. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that dude I was smoking on the Dyna. Um... <laughs> But it was cool, I mean, and they kind of, Ducati's thing was, they felt like they ran out of things to do with a V-twin. Like, and I feel like this is kind of obvious by Harley and Indian. Like, what are you gonna do next year with your motor? Well, we're at a 107, let's do a 109. Yeah. Like, that's all anyone does with a V-twin anymore. When it's like a 151, like, you're literally gonna have to quit making V-twins when they're when they're as wide as two V-4s. And I feel I like... I mean, uh, two yeah. inline fours, you know what I mean? I feel like this, too. Like, when when Harley went to the Milwaukee 8, they should have went back down to, like, an 80 cubic inch motor. Right. Because the Milwaukee 8 made the more power, it was more efficient, so they could have shrunk... To, to the level where they only gain like two or three horse over the what were they at 103 110 yeah in the in the twin cam and then oh you can get a kit to make it bigger and then but now it's like they went right to like a 107 yeah so they dropped three cubic inch from a 110 they could now they already have a 114 they couldn't let the thunderstroke 106 and the thunderstroke 111 outdo them so they had to go but what are they gonna do when they're all at 154 that's what I'm saying like it's gonna be nuts. Yeah, so but so that was kind of Ducati's thing where they're like, hey, we're limited to twelve hundred cc's. 
So that means the new Pingali is a thousand, right? Yeah, I don't know. They didn't really say, but that's what I'm guessing. It's a thousand. They don't like to tell you horsepower or engine stuff. I think to, when you get to that point, they don't want to tell you horsepower because insurance companies don't want to know. Yeah, that's true. And you're at Progressive Insurance or <laughs> International yeah. Motorcycle Show. But um, you know, I think styling-wise, nothing which did surprise me. Not that it didn't look like the GP bike, but styling-wise, it didn't really look much different than last year's Pentagali. Yeah. And it's like, hey guys, you put a V4 in it. Like, if I was a customer buying a brand new V4, I want all my Ducati friends to know that I got the V4 and they only have the V-Twin. Yeah. Not that I'm saying Ducati riders are like that, but Dayanese <laughs> and AGV. <laughs> I look super funny on my old beat-up Ducati wearing, like, full Icon gear. Yeah. But, yeah, so it was cool. It was good to see. They let us out. It was 3 o'clock. We were there. That was a long... I didn't know I was going to have to work so hard today. Yeah. Um, and then we walked through the vendor area. We saw some cool stuff. We learned that... This is one thing I learned from today. You guys... Everyone can march and fight and do what you want. But something that won't change is sex sells. <laughs> yeah. Everyone had girls in their booth. Yep. So... Even the an interview that we had that we'll get to... Uh, the woman was selling the jeans herself, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, she was. Um, and it's, it's funny because, like, women who ride don't seem offended. Like, they go and talk to the women in the booth. Yeah. I feel like the women in the booth enjoy talking to a woman more than the greasy old men. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel bad for the chicks in the booth because they get oogled by... I mean, look at the caliber of dudes that was there yeah. versus the caliber like, of... We're nothing special, but we were at the top when it came to, like, the caliber of dudes there. <laughs> oh, dude, listen, that says a lot right yeah. there. I mean, it was like... That's not saying that we're good. That's saying how bad everyone yeah. else was. That's saying that there's, like, hairy piles of slime with teeth and yeah. two eyeballs that couldn't get their eyeballs off of the girls' boobies. But it was good. Like, uh, it was cool to see a lot of the... Can you hold this for me? Yeah. Oh. Are we already at live uh, we're getting, we're probably past live oak. We're coming out to the 210. But it'll probably get traffic-y back up here, and we'll be in the left two lanes eventually. Yeah. Other than that, it was good. Nothing else stands out that I can think of. Yeah. Anything that you, like, really, really, um, oogles you or wows you that you think we should talk about? No. I don't know. Go to the show and enjoy it. See the new bikes. If you're in the market for a new bike, man, it's a cool place to go. What CSC is only out here, right? Yeah. If you guys are in Southern California, um, they ship worldwide. Then. Okay, so CSC is the company, not just the shop. When we first talked, I thought it was a shop. Nope. It's a Chinese California scooter company. <laughs> okay, it's a Chinese built bike. They had a CSC EX3. RX3. RX3. I like where this is going. <laughs> it made me want... It was only a 300 It was super cool. Oh, God, $3,500. $3,500. And it, yes, it was $3,500. Yes, it was Chinese. They've had them out for about 10 years now. Really? And I have to say... Or, or eight. I mean, they've been around for a long time. And everybody now, G310... 
GS and the oh yeah versus, everyone came out with small the versus um, 310 you know they had a V-Strom 300 which I thought should have been called the Strom 300 yeah because there was no V it was a single right, right, there you go. but um, this thing was super cool it was 3500 bucks and I mean gosh like if you want to try adventure bikes buy it and uh, it honestly like it looked like pretty good quality yeah if you stood back from it and you knew nothing about it, you would not know it was a Chinese bike. It, it looks like a R1200GS shrunk down to 300ccs before BMW came out with their G310. BMW actually partnered, since they were doing like a lot of stuff in India and stuff, they partnered with TVS. That's who made their, if you look at a TVS and then you look at BMW, that's who makes their R, uh, the G310, you know, the so it's not a German built. It's not a German built. It looks Indian. And so the RX3 from CSC actually looked like a BMW before BMW had a small BMW. And the motor looked, he said they didn't copy anyone, but I think they were smart and they reverse engineered some. Well, Zhang Shen, like Vis- Life and all that shit. Visually, insane. it looked to me like a Yamaha 250, 450 dirt bike motor. Yeah, there you go. But whatever if it was it was if it wasn't it wasn't you know um and i have strong feelings about chinese stuff but i if you don't i mean not only that no one makes an american made one so i can't go after an american made adventure bike yeah so and if it's a thing where china wants to have a good quality thing they can do it so Oh, they absolutely are. Chinese uh, quality and quantity are uh, starting to grow as they're becoming... Uh, they're, uh, they're a global superpower. As the Americans take all our technology to them. Oh, well, we give their the technology, plus we send almost all of our dollars. If you go into a, a Walmart or something like that, there's nothing in a, made in America anymore. There's nothing even made in Japan anymore. Like when, really I was not. A, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, that's made in Japan. Now that's the good shit, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's getting that way too, where you notice a lot of cheaper stuff is like Taiwan and yeah. then uh, stuff around there, and uh, China's like upping their quality, and that's one of the reasons. Like, we've given them so much technology, and they've built this infrastructure of manufacturing. Yeah, and now they started to raise their prices. Yeah, I, and, and we've sent all of our stuff over there, saying, "Hey, we could you we can have you make it cheaper for us, but you still need to make it to these standards, and you still need to make it using these processes, or as close as you can get to it." So they're like, "Oh, we need oh look at all this stuff that they're, you know, yeah, of course, like you're saying, they reverse engineer the process, and it's like for thirty five hundred bucks, man, it was a killer little yeah. bike. It looked overall looked very good. Yeah, I mean, lots of people have talked shit about him, and he clarified that they found out. Well, I'll let him talk about it. You know, we are going to talk with the guys from CSC. So I don't want to step all over the story of CSC and uh, all the other stuff that every other podcast that I know you guys listen to has said about them. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that. So let's get back to the interview, not talking about CSC. Anything else that we missed that was cool? No. What did you like about the show what like that was your first time there i do have to say that chris ended up knowing almost everyone at the damn show um i so i have been to ims before i just never went to like the media day stuff so it was cool um i want to say thanks to our listeners because all four of you that listen like we tell people that we have a podcast 
and they're like, oh, you want to come test ride this? Oh, that's so cool. Oh, can we talk to you? Oh, how about this? And uh, no one's given us much free stuff yet. They don't ask how many people listen. So yeah. I don't tell them that only four people out there do. And uh, it's one of those like, you know, they don't ask. I don't, this information, we don't have to give them. So if they do ask, I'll say four. And when they look real weird, I'll cough and say a million. A million. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But no, um, so it was like super cool overall, like being there with like the press pass and the media was neat. Um, seeing the stuff like kind of unveiled to a point Oops. was, it was pretty cool. Um, all sorts of noise. Thanks to me. <laughs> and yeah, I ended up seeing a ton of people that I knew. I know, so. dude. You were talking to everyone. I was like, Jesus, man. Like, I don't even make, I don't have That's that. what a lot of them called me. They're like, Jesus. Jesus. Hooligan Jesus, man. It's you. Yeah. I was like. Did you put in your address or mine? For what? Oh. So uh, where we're driving right now. Mine. Oh. I guess I could have gone onto the, we're going to go up to Huntington and go down. That's or fine. Foothill and go down. That's fine. We're going to end up at 1297. <laughs> oh my God. I just said it on the air. So, yeah. So I hope, um. I want to take you to my house. Don't you want to go to my house? <laughs> <laughs> I hope listener land. I'm hungry. Yeah. That lunch was good, but it was a long time ago. I know. Really? So I hope that listeners are, I don't know, man. I don't see the feedback except all the negative emails to me, but I wonder, um, I hope you guys like this. I hope they it's some insight. You. They love you. They don't like me. <laughs> I hope that, uh, you know, go out and check out the, the show when it comes to your area i know i grew up in indiana i think the closest one there is chicago yeah but it's man you could spend it we literally spent a day there you could spend a day no problem if there's something you're interested in go see it and we didn't even get to see the stunt shows and all that cool stuff yeah none of that like we were like no no test drive they don't do that stuff for the media everyone thinks media day is so cool and really you have to walk around and listen to them give their spiels and they were strict yep Okay, let's they, move along. Get they, up. Come they, on. Get over there. And I was like, They Man. hit me. That yeah. one girl hit me, and the guy, like, was pushing me. It was... Yeah. No respect. None. Um, hey, also, I wanted to tell everybody that... Uh, is this our 101st show? This is our 101, but it's also Thanksgiving. And I just wanted to say I'm thankful uh, for everybody that's listened. Thanks for sticking around for 101 um, I want to say thanks to my wife for putting up with me and letting, you know, she's been with the kids again all day. And uh, <laughs> uh, I had to go look at motorcycles and talk to people and be friendly. And I so, should say thanks for hanging around for 15 of 16 episodes now. Yeah. <laughs> See, they've had to be with you in 100. I know. So um, thanks for Larry for being like, I bet this dude talks about... I talk about motorcycles in my sleep. Yeah. So he was like, dude, let's record some of it. And I'm, it works. I'm thankful to your wife for letting you come over even though you yeah. have a little baby. Yeah. I know or even sh- this week, you got to come over. Yeah. I like that it's close. That Man, shit, that's good. I know. It works out. That shit can be stressful. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm thankful to the listeners that, like... Like maybe they think I'm wrong and I'm entertaining. I don't know. Yeah. But people listen to me talk about motorcycles, and that's like crazy. Like my wife has to. She just drones yeah. it out and doesn't really yeah. listen. 
I didn't want to tell you, but I, I photoshopped all those numbers I've been showing you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I don't even have a podcast. I just wanted to talk about motorbikes. My wife's like, get a friend. <laughs> she was probably like, stop talking to me about it. Yeah. Well, she was like, I'm glad you have a hobby, but now, like, you're crazy. And I was like, well, yes, it's yeah. true. It, 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 it is a lot of work. Mine was totally like... She kind of understood. As, as soon as when I said what was going on, she was like, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it it makes sense. I'd probably get on the freeway right there. You think so? Yeah. It's only for like an exit or two. Yeah. So you really don't have to. I will. Um, But yeah, so she was like, oh, you're going to go talk about motorcycles. Okay, I get it. That's good. I'm going to fucking smoke this fucker. <laughs> oh, he just looked over. You're done. Oh, no. <laughs> um... That's the west one, too. That's the one I need. Yeah, that's the first one. You have, like, just past the stoplight. Oh, don't let him know you want to race. I got to get my fucking RPMs up. <laughs> oh, man. Later, bitch. Oh, it happened. So, I need a cool sign-off. That's it. There's your sign-off. There's your sign-off. All right, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed wasting another perfectly good week with the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast in your ear. Uh, This is a long one, folks. Before I get out of here, I do want to tell you a few things. Uh, A, it's not Thanksgiving anymore. Uh, Christmas time's coming up. I want to mention that the guys from, I want to say episode 92, the Harley guys, Eric and Tony and a few other people are going to be out at Chuck Walla racing, man. Freaking racing. And uh, I think their first race is this weekend uh, against other bikes in an actual uh, like series. So we're going to talk to them and see how it went, see how uh, everything's going and shaping up. 2018 is going to be a crazy year for those fools. I also wanted to mention a few things that are happening around town. Uh, This weekend, uh, if you're not out there watching those dudes rip around uh, Willow, I think they're at the big track too. No, I'm sorry, Chuckwalla. You can go down on the second Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club. The VVMC is having the fifth annual two-wheel toy drive. It's going to be at 436 Lincoln Boulevard in Venice. There's going to be like a collection party. And then on Sunday, December 3rd, they're going to ride to Santa. Um, I hope that you're tires are up for like snow travel no i think they just ride to the the peterson so that's cool uh the moto chop shop chris i think mentioned them if he didn't he mentioned uh somebody else uh moto shop shop who else did he mention i forget anyway they're having an ugly sweater christmas ride and barbecue saturday december 2nd 2017 9 a.m kickstands up at 10 they're going to hit Mulholland and PCH, have a barbecue at the shop. That's at 6859 Valjean Avenue in Van Nuys. If you don't know where Van Nuys is, um, you're not from California. The Holiday Toy Drive is also going on another one. There's going to be a few I'm going to mention here. Uh, this one is by the Lita's Long Beach, Saturday, December 9th at 10 a.m. Uh, they are going to... It says Butterscotch LBC. I don't know what that is, but it's 509 East Broadway, Long Beach. Um, Supposedly, it says 9 to 10. So uh, check it out and uh, look on Facebook for the Lita's Long Beach and see if that makes more sense to you than what I'm blabbing on about right now. Uh, Then also the 9th and 10th, Ramming Speed is going to be having a classic flat track day at Willow Springs on the 9th. 
and a classic track day on the 10th. I think Wiggins is going to go out there. I think he's going to take his Dyna back out there and run it again. Um, and I potentially could take my bike out there, but uh, I won't be doing that, I don't think. Uh, David Mann Chopperfest is going down. Also, Saturday, December 10th, uh, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's going to be at the Ventura Fairgrounds in Ventura, California. Look that up on your map quest. Um, the L.A. Toy Run, that's going to be happening this uh, December 10th, hosted by Harley-Davidson of Glendale. They are at 3717 San Fernando Road. Uh, go, so go check that out. That's going to go from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the 10th. And the uh, Cover Your Assets. This is interesting. I just saw this on Instagram on Cerberus Moto's page. This is going to be like a West Coast one-night tour. Cover Your Assets. Go look up on uh, Cerberus Moto's Instagram. They just posted it. They're going to be starting on, uh, gosh, December... I think they started a couple days ago at Cerberus and they're going to be working their way up to like San Francisco or NorCal or something like that. They're going to be hitting the whole West Coast uh, within, I don't know, you you tell me, a few days at a time. So Wednesday, December 13th, 6 to 10, they'll be at the gold mine here uh, at uh, 4225 San Fernando Road in Glendale. And uh, that ought to be something. They were just at Cerberus. Then they're heading up to... Uh, like somewhere by, by Santa Barbara, then they're going to be like Santa Cruz or San Francisco. It's going to be pretty cool. So that sounds pretty cool. Good Luck Moto Show is going to be happening pretty soon. And that is going to be at uh, Lucky Wheels Garage. Mark your calendars. Uh, the second annual Good Luck Moto Show is happening Saturday, December 16th at Lucky Wheels. And from what I know, I think the women's motor show is going to be coming up pretty soon there too. Uh, the 31st of December, not only uh, can you do the Run to the Roses with the SoCal Norton Owners Group, you could also head up to uh, the SoCal Cycle Swap Meet. That might be a little bit more your style. It's not usually raining in December in California, so December 31st is going to be the uh, swap. They are the last Sunday of the month, and uh, so that makes sense why it's then. <laughs> does that does that make sense? Um, February 9th and 10th. The one art show is, or the one show is going to be going down in Portland, Oregon. So don't forget that. Plus, January 13th, Chris Wiggins. It's full, but the Veggie Plate Classic is going to be happening out at Paris Flat Track. They'll be doing some speedway out there, which ought to be pretty fun to watch. Um, The 24th, you heard him in this episode, but we're going to get a chance to talk a little bit more about it. Rick James's art ride. That's Rick Ortiz from SAE underscore CA. You heard him from our Twisted Throttles event. He's having the art ride. And if you look him up at SAE underscore CA on Instagram or art ride CA on Instagram, you'll get all the deets there. February 24th, Legacy Brewing in Oceanside. That ought to be pretty fun. If you have an event that's going down and you want to tell us all about it, like... Maybe you're throwing a taco party up in Wisconsin because you celebrated an early victory in this year's WIR Top 10 Bikes uh, list. Or maybe you're just, uh, you know, whatever you got going on. You want to you email the show, tell us about it. We don't care where you're at in the world. People want to know. People want to be informed and people want to go. They want to know they want to go. Send it, bro. <laughs> ah! Boy, that went sideways really quickly. So here I am going to tell you about a couple podcasts that you need to listen to, especially over the winter when I'm sure you're not riding. One of them is uh, our buddies up at the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast, the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. 
Also, go check out the Motorcycle Men. They are in New Jersey. Check out Loud Pipes. They're on the East Coast in general. Cafe Racer Podcast, Girl on a Moto, and uh, Wingman's Garage, among just a few of the ones that we listen to on the reg. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. Yeah, catch you later. But tell your friends to all listen to Creative Writing Podcast. It's the greatest podcast going. Yeah. We're like Primus. We say we suck, but we're the best fucking thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Look at this guy. Um, what else you guys want to know? Tell me. Ask. This is Q&A time. Ask me a question. Um, we're live right now, aren't we? Yeah. Isn't that right? how podcasting works? Right? We're live. Just text me right now. <laughs> yeah. Hi, we are Ducati. We have a new bike for you, but you're an asshole. You're not getting any food. I feel like that accent was not Italian. That was a German. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can hear us. Blah, 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 blah. Both right. of us? Yeah. Oh, damn, that's good. Amazing. Yeah. Did you notice that also they were like, yeah, we got a press fleet. And then immediately, yeah. like, I don't know if she was rethinking that in her head. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, there's definitely assless chaps. And they even had full ass chaps, which was interesting. Those are rare. Yeah.